and welcome to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of governance issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impact on service delivery. Our podcast also seeks to promote values that would help to build a society with people of integrity and provide solutions to service delivery challenges faced by everyday Nigerians. My name is Ulua Fermi Adiola and I am the host of this podcast. On our podcast today, we'll be discussing is corruption an educationally transmitted disease? And to discuss that topic today, we have Step Up Nigeria Executive Director Oni O, as well as a special guest who I would like to introduce himself at this point, please. Hello, viewers. My name is Emmanuel Andy Ivoba. I live uh, in just uh, Plateau State, Nigeria, and um, I worked as an educationalist and uh, a peace builder. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us, and thank you for your time. Uh, so, sir, um, at the International Anti-Corruption Conference in um, 2018, on a panel moderated by our executive director, Oni O, you were quoted for saying corruption is an educationally transmitted disease. So can you tell us a bit more about what you meant by that statement? I always try to look at this uh, in terms of two big concepts, what we call self-reliance and interdependence. We live in an age of global interdependence. Unfortunately, if we look at what is happening in our schools, at least I've been a school teacher for over 20 years now, so I have some understanding of what is going on in our schools. The idea of self-reliance itself is no longer sustainable. What we are teaching and supporting our students in primary schools, in secondary schools, and in universities across the country to become self-reliant. In the true sense of the word, no individual is self-reliant. No nation is also self-reliant. In fact, by our very nature as human beings, we are interdependent. We are what His Holiness the Dalai Lama said, we are dependently originated. So we depend on each other from whatever means. So what needs to be done, especially in our society today, considering the kind of challenges that confront us today? we need to begin to nurture that idea of interdependence because we live in the world that needs human beings to relate with one another. I need you, you need me, just like the, the concept of Ubuntu says. But if we cons consistently teach our children to be self-reliant, then that, that is the beginning of the problem. If you look at it in terms of even the national policy on education and the way it is being implemented in our schools in terms of the kind of curriculums that we have, it is very, very unfortunate. The emphasis all this while has been on the cognitive ability development. So we are giving students facts and facts, and we push these facts into their heads, and we expect them to give everything back to us so that they can pass exams and get certificates. And the idea is that they, they can graduate, graduate, get certificates, get the jobs they want, get all the money they want, marry all the women they want, build all the houses, buy all the cars they want. But what next? 
So what we are seeing is that we continue to produce young people from our universities who have all these things that seem to provide that sense of self-reliance to them, but they don't have the ability to relate very well with fellow human beings. If we see the behavior of our young people, even the elders in our society today, I, I, I hate to condemn or to criticize, but just to give examples of what is happening in our society today, which makes me to really believe that education, uh, sorry, corruption is an educationally transmitted disease. We have, even at the level of leadership, many of our leaders to, today, some of them are professors, some of them have three, four, five uh, PhDs, but individuals like that who do not have the fear that money, for example, that should be dedicated to building roads that will minimize the number of road accidents, money that should be used to build hospitals so that our mothers, our wives and daughters do not die because of childbearing, money that should be used to build good schools so that young people can have access to quality education. This money is taken and then cornered into private pockets. And these people do not have the conscience to worry about that. So you know that there's a problem. It is because while they were going through education in the various schools they attended, they were not exposed to what I call affective education. That is the education of the heart. The focus was just on a, a cognitive ability while ignoring actually what is education. And that is the affective domain. If they were properly nurtured in that area, that sense of fear that public funds can never be diverted for personal use, but because that was ignored. So for me, what we even call education is not education itself. I have always described that as literacy, not education, because an educated man is the person whose heart has been properly nurtured. That is why you talk about ethics, you talk about values. In fact, anything good comes from the heart, not from the mind. The mind is like a white elephant. And no matter how you train that mind with all the stuff and the letters that you put there, if the heart is not properly uh, nurtured to subject that mind to control, you will see human beings misbehaving. So most of us that we see in our society today, we have our minds well nurtured, but the heart is left empty. And in the heart, that is where education lies. So for me, that is the beginning of corruption. We lie to ourselves in schools. We lie to the children that we are giving them education, whereas we are actually giving them literacy. Literacy is good. Developing the mind is good. We need human beings that are well developed in their minds. But the truth of the matter we have seen in practice, that if the mind is highly developed, but the heart is not also developed to the level where it can subject. Subjection here, I'm using it in a very good sense. In terms, if, if the heart is not properly developed in a way that it can put uh, the, the mind under check, just like we're talking government checks and balances, the mind needs to be checked by the heart. And if the heart is, for the heart to be able to check the mind, the heart must be properly nurtured. I think this is where we are missing it completely in our, in our school system, in our educational system. And for me, that is really the beginning of corruption. Because essentially, what is corruption? It's an abuse of process. It is not just about stealing money. 
I think we seem to have limited it uh, too much to that. Corruption is essentially an abuse of process. Whatever, in fact, once the process is wrong, everything else is wrong because you cannot build anything or nothing. So the process is the beginning of the whole thing. That is just uh, the way I look at it. And it worries me a lot that on daily basis, yearly basis, we see hundreds of thousands of young people coming out of our schools through that kind of uh, uh, system. And then we send them into the society. Some of them will become our leaders tomorrow at different aspects. And I, I wonder how, uh, what the future of our country is going to be. Thank you very much, sir. What an interesting quote as well. Um, so just to clarify for our listeners, so by your comments, do you believe that Nigeria's current educational model promotes corruption by its silence on the matter in daily teachings? I yes, and I won't say completely yes, because uh, this is a work in progress. Uh, we have started something. We really need to build on that. So condemning it outrightly, I think I would be very wrong to do so. There are a lot of good things already happening. So we need to identify what is good and see how we can improve it. And also try to identify what is not working entirely and see how we can jettison it completely and introduce something new. Education itself has two components. That is what we call, for those who are in the educational sector will understand this very clearly. There is what is called the core of education. And then there is what is called the explore of the education. So the core of the education, I think we have it, uh, I would say, somehow very well set up. The national policy on education is very, very articulate. It's a very beautiful document, honestly. And I think uh, those Nigerians that came together to put that document in place really, really did an excellent work. That is the core. But the problem is, is in the implementation, taking that document into the classroom. And that is where we need to look at the explore of education. And that is where innovation is required, creativity is required. What can we do as citizens, as educators and teachers to look at you know, creative ways of exposing our young people who are called leaders of tomorrow to this beautiful document. And this is where we are having, I won't say we are having it entirely wrong, but this is where we are having some challenges. Is I don't know if you are getting the point. So for example, in that document, I mentioned it earlier, we talked about the learning domains. There are three basic learning domains very beautifully articulated in that document. We talk about the cognitive domain, the, 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 the psychomotor, and the, 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 uh, the affective domain. But in terms of implementation, what happens actually in the classroom? In fact, for a human being to be fully developed, all these three domains must be equally attended to. But what we do in the classroom is to, is to focus on the, uh, the cognitive ability development. So we have people that have a lot of facts in their brains. You will see a professor of uh, chemistry, uh, physics, whatever it is. There, there is so, so much letters into the head. But the truth of the matter is that that is not enough. That is knowledge. Knowledge, like the scripture says, without wisdom is useless. Wisdom is a, a, a quality of the heart. 
So if you have so much knowledge, but so the knowledge we give these young people, what we are missing, let me be very, very clear, is that we are missing that aspect of training them how to apply that knowledge. That is wisdom. Because if we train them how to apply the knowledge, their heart will take control. I have seen from, from my little experience, I'm, I, I want to emphasize that I've, I'm not saying the mind is bad. The mind is very, very beautiful. But I have seen from my experience that any good thing comes from the heart. If you are talking about goodness, it's from the heart. If you are talking about love, it's from the heart. Peace is from the heart. Compassion, kindness, these are qualities of the heart. And this, by this, I'm not referring to the heart that can be dissected by the surgeon's knife. I'm talking about this, the heart, which is the center of morality and ethics or, or ethical behavior. So if we really want to help our young people become responsive and responsible citizens tomorrow, we must begin in addition to giving them the facts, that is the knowledge we must begin to deliberately, and that is why I'm talking about the explore of the education, to deliberately nurture and support them to find ways to implement, that is to act on the knowledge that they have acquired in the classroom. That is what is missing. So these young people have a lot of knowledge, but by the time they get into the society, they have no idea on how to make good use of that knowledge. Let me give you one example. I'm sure most of us here are graduates. By the time you are graduating from the university, you are given a certificate. And that was the first time they also lied to you because you were told that this uh, student has been found worthy knowledge and character. That is a big lie. Who trained you in character? You've been found worthy knowledge by the professors, but there was no room made to nurture your character. So when you go into the society there, you are on your own. It is for you now to begin to struggle to see how you can apply this knowledge that you have acquired once in school. So what I'm saying essentially is the wisdom part. So we must begin to wisdomize our education because for now it is so much knowledge focused. Knowledge is very good, but knowledge will not take our nation will not take us as individuals or our nation to the destination that we desire. So to be able to reach the desire, the dream, the country that we all dream of, where food will be plentiful, where there will be no hunger, where the, 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 the smiles of our citizens will shine brighter than the sun itself. If we need to reach that destination, we must deliberately begin to wisdomize our education. And this is what education should expose us to. Let young people know that life is not all about material things. Life is not all about money. The most important things of life, money cannot buy them. So uh, I think in response to that question, I believe because either we have deliberately ignored that, which, is the, which has resulted to corruption at different levels, or we know it, but we are really not implementing it uh, properly. But I think there is, there is always a way out. The fact that these things were in place before, you know, these days we sit down and say, oh, how I wish uh, Nigeria was like uh, yesterday. 
I don't really want to go back to uh, yesterday, but if we are talking about yesterday, it means that there are some good things that happened yesterday, and those things are no longer in place, and we want to see them. So let's go back, and this is the importance of history also. So from history, we know that good things happened in our country. So can we go back into history and then bring out those good things that happened and bring them to the present so that our future will be good? Thank you very much, sir. Um, <laughs> so, Oya, I'd like to ask you this question next because of the nature of the work that we do at Step Up Nigeria. What's the place of value-based education in tackling corruption? Thank you very much, Fabi, and thank you so much, Emmanuel, for that um, insightful um, contribution. I was just reflecting as you were speaking, lots of things, even the thought about history. You know, I think it just got me thinking now, just came into my mind that actually that's the point, because I keep on hearing people saying in those days, you know, if you if you acquire, you know, wealth or property and you can't um, justify the source of wealth, you know, people run away from you and all that. And, and, and just different, those, those kind of cultural behavior that existed, you know, and that has gone down the drain. And I think it's good for people to begin to tell those stories as well in the past, you know, and 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 bring back some of those then um, our the good parts of our history so that the young ones can actually learn that Nigeria was not always this way. Yeah, so, and this is linked to, so I think what, just building upon what Emmanuel said, um, so, and he put it, and, and it was quite interesting seeing the way he broke down the different types of education. So education generally, whether both literacy and value-based is very important. And, and, and I like the way Emmanuel tried to explain the, 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 the difference, the type of education uh, we uh, we have at the moment, and not just in Nigeria, I think is, you know, probably globally, um, the focus is really more on the cognitive, like he said. So, and I think it's important, like you mentioned, for us to really pay more emphasis on the on the values. To be fair, on the, in the Nigerian side, we actually, they have the religion and national values curriculum, which was introduced by ICPC. And I guess the problem is really more in the implementation, and I'll come to that. That's where Step Up Nigeria is also trying to support. But value-based education is very critical to tackling corruption. There's no doubt about that. In fact, when we see what's going on with the NDDC scandal, um, you know, you would actually weep. And this is where the values come in. The fact that monies has been given to an agency to develop, you know, a, 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 that region, which has been which has suffered a lot, you know, which has which has lots of oil wealth, but yet they face lots of um, environmental challenges, you know, crime and all that, and all because of corruption. So it's the NDDC scandal makes me really depressed. And that's what always makes me think again about the importance of values. Like we really need values because through value-based education, we can get, you know, good leaders. We can get leaders that would have, you know, the the key values needed to create peace and just society. So we want leaders who are, you know, who have integrity, who believe in fairness, you know, who believe in equity, you know, who would ensure transparency and accountability happens. And they can only do that if they are really, like Emmanuel pointed out, if they really have the right values, they're educated in the right way, if they are formed, you know, so we need to shape that mindset. Value-based education helps to shape that mindset from an early age, and we need to start early as early as, um, you know, even possible, people have been telling me as early as nursery school. So we need to start at an early age to begin the formation of the individual so that people realize that life is not just about making money or 
having successful careers, about how we treat each other. It's about how we handle position, you know, handle positions we've been given, given, you know, no matter the position, you know, how do we handle such positions when we are given? Um, Emmanuel made give a very interesting con, uh, definition of corruption as the abuse of process, and I think that actually is true because, you know, we know that the general definition of corruption is corruption being the abuse of um, entrusted power for private gain, and I think when you when we which is similar to what Emmanuel had just said around the abuse of process. I think putting it as the abuse of process is also interesting because sometimes some people don't know certain processes that or certain actions that they take are actually corruption. Um, we are currently training teachers on, on anti-corruption at the moment. And one of the questions that one of the teachers um, asked me was, what if he, is, he gives a contract, he's in a position of power and he gives the contract to his friend, but that his friend is able to do the job. Is that is why is that a bad thing? You know, and, and that tells you, and, and you know, this is something, those are the kind of things we need to be teaching children from an early age. So people understand that the fact that you've not is a bad thing because it's not fair. You're giving your friend a contract. You know, even though that your friend is capable, but there are many other capable people as well in society that can do that same job. So why not have, have a competitive process so that, that your friend and others too will compete? And whoever and have an independent panel to judge that process, and then whoever comes out best then becomes the winner. So when we, when we teach people the need for fairness, the need you know for a comp, you know a level playing field, you know from an early age, then questions like that won't come up. So value-based education is very important, and it is not just about um, just saying it is important. We've seen, like I said, all these years, corruption. I mean, this is not we people have been fighting corruption for how many years now? For, for ages, some say as long as 20 years. Many NGOs were all fighting corruption, fighting corruption, but still, we're still in the same situation. And the reason is that while systems and um, processes, processes are essential to ensuring, you know, transparency and accountability, we still haven't focused on enough around create, you know, around um, um, create, you know, around there. We haven't done enough to ensure that um, people act with integrity. And the reason why that is the problem is because it's the kind of thing you nurture from an early age. So we have many people in, in positions of power who do not necessarily have, they may have the skills and capabilities, but they don't really act with integrity because they haven't been formed that way. So I think that for Nigeria to successfully eliminate corruption, we really need good leaders. And for us to do that, we need leaders with good values. We need to bring up a generation of future leaders that, you know, would and and future individuals, whoever that would, you know, um, make that would have the right values, you know, to do the right thing and make corruption history. The studies conducted by International Civic and Citizenship Education Study, I think, in those the 2009 and 2016 study, both studies have shown that citizenship education you know, increases the possibility of young people to reject corruption and respect the law. And citizenship ed education, had, you know, promotes values. And evidence has shown that those things actually help shape an individual. So, and also the U4, um, the U4 Anti-Corruption Resource Center as well, has also done a similar study where they've actually shown how value-based integrity value-based education, you know, helps to um, instill 
integrity in young people. So I think it's important that if you want to build a society where values become the norm, where good values become the norm, where um, integrity is the norm, then we need to really focus on value-based education. And I think that's the kind of education system that is still weak, which is what Emmanuel is talking about. So we have a good, our education system is not doing badly. And we even have some elements of value-based education within the curriculum. curriculum. But I think what we need to do more now is think about ways of strengthening that and ensuring that is actually being implemented. Thank you very much, Oni. Um, so Mr. Emmanuel, back to you. What are also your thoughts on how we can um, strengthen value-based education across schools and why it's important that we do so in, in tackling corruption? Uh, thank you so much, uh, Adiola. I think one of the things we need to look at is maybe the question we should be asking ourselves is what kind of citizens do we want or what kind of citizens do we need especially in terms of leaders are we looking for leaders in terms of the qualities what kind of qualities are we looking at effectiveness or ethical behavior or both i think these are very very important questions that uh, can help us to to see the importance of values education values are what we consider most important uh, for us. I think we want uh, leaders who are both effective and of good ethical behavior. That in terms of effectiveness, leaders who have the facts, who are capable, they are knowledgeable, they are skillful. But in terms of good ethical behavior, how do we apply this knowledge and skills that they have acquired to take good decisions for the common good? I think this is a problem. Even as citizens, are we in a situation where we take decisions for the common good, for the good of others, not just for our selfish ends? I think one of the things I see uh, in the past that we can actually do now to help that, you know, as Africans, part of our growing up, we have something excellent called storytelling. And many of us grew, through, grew up through this, and we know how stories told to us by our parents, especially our grandparents. I, I give kudos with a deep sense of humility and gratitude to our mothers, our grandmothers, because they help to nurture us a lot. You know, our fathers usually will not have that time, busy running up and down, but the mothers will put us down, you know, in the evening after dinner. And they would tell us stories about animals. And those stories had a lot of lessons that helped us to grow. Believe me, there are some things that I learned from my grandmother through these stories. Even as an adult, there are things I can never do now, even if you put a knife to my neck. Because I have that consciousness that my grandmother is watching me and she will not like it. So I think this is one of the things we really need to do. The, the, the practice of storytelling has to come back because it is part of our educational process. A lot of values uh, uh, were passed on from parents to their children through that. But in order to do that, we have a big problem in, this, in, the, in, the, in the 21st century. Now, let me put it that way. Unfortunately, our parents are present yet absent. 
this is a huge challenge itself. In those days, our parents were present and really present in the real sense of the word. Today, our parents are there, but they are completely absent. So who tells the stories? It's difficult because what is happening now is that the, the father is out looking for money. The mother is also out looking for money. The children are left on their own with maybe housemates at home. So what the parents cannot teach, imagine a housemate also that is not properly trained and you leave your children to this housemate. What kind of values is a housemate going to pass on to the children? The example, I'm, uh, what I'm pointing out there is that uh, we need parents to be present in the real sense of the word with their children and be able to teach them by doing, give them the opportunity to learn by observing what the, student, the children are doing and also have time to tell them stories, stories about their past and whatever it is. I think it can help a lot. In schools, what we can also do to help deal with this situation, we have a program that we are running on my organization. We call it Values in African Thought Education Program. And the idea is that from time to time, we identify our fathers, elders, mostly people who have lived 60 years and above. It means that these people have lived before Nigeria became an independent nation. So they have seen our past, they have seen our present, and that gives them a better opportunity to have a clearer understanding of the future, better than the young people of today. So we bring them to school from time to time. And we just ask them, we bring the students together in the hall, and then they just sit down and tell the students stories about yesterday, when they were growing up as 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 20-year-old. So we allow them, we don't choose a topic for them, but we just tell these young people who are 20 at most, or 15, 14, tell them when you were at their age, in those days, the kind of things that you, you did, the kind of experiences you had, and how those experiences help to shape your life today. Another recommendation that we have is the, 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 the pedagogy, the, the method, the, 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 the way we teach. This teacher-centered method of teaching is also not helping anything. This idea of the teacher knows all and the student don't know anything at all, and this is why there is so much emphasis on the cognitive uh, domain, because the teacher walks into the class, he is Mr. Know-all, and then the children are empty heads with nothing in their brain, and it is for them to just sit down there and receive the stuff that the teacher is giving them, and then they give back. What this happens is that we are, uh, there is a way I always like to coin this, we are not allowing the young people to think to think for themselves. We are even telling them what to think. So we continue giving them these facts, facts, and we direct them on what to think. So at the end of the day, what happens in the school? I've done a lot to try to change this. Uh, in the school, but it's in our own school, but this is also very, very difficult because the nature of our system here is that the students must pass one exam to progress to the next class. 
So if you do not cover the curriculum very well, they will fail that exam, and then they will have to repeat the class. And many parents don't like that. And I've told parents a number of times that what this is happening is we are constantly exposing young people to a life of tests and examinations, but we are not taking time to expose them to the tests of life. And this is the problem. So they have failed that test. So we need to be innovative. We need to be creative and find ways, whether it's through storytelling, through what I call the student-centered approach to learning. So the teacher is a facilitator in the learning process. He's a mentor. He's a guide. He helps you to bring out what is already inside you. So this is why learning has to be... In fact, if we do it that way, it will help students to think better and to behave better. And one, one final uh, recommendation I will make also in many parts of the world, especially in North America, that is what is called the project-based learning, where students learn by doing, not just sitting in the class on the chair and receiving facts. Let them go out and learn that thing by doing it. In the next 50, let's say in the next 50, 60, 70 years, we may not be on this planet anymore. But the young people, the children that we are training, they are the ones, if, 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 if God gives them that opportunity, they will continue to live. And whatever we do with them today will determine how they are going to continue tomorrow. So I'm more worried about that tomorrow. Because for us, I think we have lost today. Let us not lose tomorrow. Thank you very, very, very much, sir. Thank you for that admonition and all recommendations that you've made. Um, Oyin, do you have any final comments um, or any final thoughts? No, I mean, just to, I think, to add around strengthening value-based education, right? Um, it's, like he said, I think he's really said everything in terms of, I think I was going to say that, Emmanuel, it's like you looked, you saw Step Up Nigeria's engagement strategy because everything you said, if I pull out that document, is basically how we engage children in schools um, and we're trying to teach teachers how to use those approaches you mentioned. So project-based learning to creative approaches and storytelling, of course, that's the first thing the books I've written. We used to be, you know, we use those books. And I totally agree with you. Like, I think the way... So value-based education is not just, um, is also the method of also impacting that value-based education is critical, and which is what Step Up Nigeria is trying to do. We are trying to do that through everything we've talked about, storytelling, um, fun approaches. I don't want to go into all this. There's so many things we do um, with, the, with, the, with the students. And what we are now trying to do to ensure that it's sustainable is to begin to train teachers. So we are currently even um, conducting a training for teachers. So we have... The, we have a virtual platform where we train teachers on creative approaches that can be used to teach children on anti-corruption education. Um, so that it's, and it's not easy because they're also really used to that particular process of doing things. I'm finding even when we've, they've done the training, I think they still need a little bit of handholding and mentoring until they get there. Because when you're used to a particular style, particularly if you use it for other subjects, I think it's very hard for people to switch. Um, so what we're trying to do is just to ensure that, and another thing, um, Emmanuel, just to mention is to also teach value-based education. What we are finding, because this is what Step Up Nigeria is doing, even though we're focusing on anti-corruption anyway, but it kind of um, um, is linked, is because part of teaching anti-corruption is about teaching values as well um, through our stories, through the storybooks we use. 
one of the things we find is that, and what teachers have told us, is about the materials as well. They don't really have sufficient materials to teach this. And even when the materials are available, they are not, you know, um, they're really not that great. They're not that, um, they don't capture, they, they, don't, they don't have, they don't make it interesting, right, for, for both the teachers and for, for, for the students as well. And what we've done, what Step Up Nigeria is doing is to fill that gaps by providing materials, you know, through those stories, um, those storybooks, so that they actually can use, rather than using like a textbook that is so, could be sometimes boring and too formal for the students. So we use storybooks to teach them, you know, the message. And it seems to be working, um, at least though it's early ages, but early stages, but we are really getting some very good results, which is why I really believe in the power of storytelling. Um, and then the second thing that we are, uh, we are so materials is a key thing, and so to strengthen value-based education, I think we need more materials. Uh, we have contributed a bit of our quota, but I think we also need other materials like that that could also help to the educational system as well to be able to pass this knowledge. And then, of course, the teachers' training is very critical. Like I said, and it's going to be a long process um, to to get them to that style of teaching that you're you're talking about. You know, not not to just blow out everything to the student, but to allow them to critically think you know, and allow them to come up with their own ideas, you know, allow them to express themselves confidently, not to think that, because sometimes even the culture you talk about has a flip side. So it's it's very good. I totally agree with you. I'm one of those people that says that these young people these days, I've even given up no respect. Everybody's, everybody's mates, we all say hi. Um, or like when I was growing up, even though you're like, somebody is five years older than you, how dare you just say hi? People just, am I your mate? Come on, say good morning or good afternoon. So we're used to those kind of like, you know, culturally, we don't really like people being too familiar. <laughs> um, but there's a flip side as well. That culture also sometimes, that not allowing young people to express themselves also can suppress, you know, um, them when they're actually supposed to speak out. So I think it's important that we also have that balance, you know, like not to in the process of trying to instill culture, which also allow young people to be comfortable and free to express and talk to us. You know, I think that's where, so I think it's, it's that struggle. And that's where even with the educational system, with our training teachers now, we're trying to get them to make their students comfortable. You know, because we don't want to create a military regime where, ah, he's older than me, I cannot talk, I can't, I can't say anything, but that's, you know, I rather, you know, and then that's a problem, even for corruption. That's for, for what we are, we are, you know, trying to do as well. So we're also trying to encourage young people to be to express their views and tell an elder if they tell Emmanuel I don't like what you're doing I think you're stealing government money we also want people to speak up but you can do that what we're trying to do is train them to do that but do that in a respectful you know and dignified way so I think it's important to so to also mention that why it's good for us to bring those values but it's just managing that not all values and also going back again somebody in a session yesterday mentioned oh why not focus on things like empathy and I say, yes, empathy is very good because it's a key, it's a key skill. However, what I didn't say at that meeting, which I want to say here, is, is actually important to also think about the fact that it's also empathy sometimes. Like if we don't, we have to, people have to understand when to be empathetic. So if I'm in a position of power and Emmanuel is my good friend, Emmanuel wants a contract, or Emmanuel is my brother and Emmanuel um, is struggling to feed and I'm in this position of, you know, and then I decide to give Emmanuel that contract because I'm trying to help my brother. I'm being empathetic to Emmanuel, right? But I'm actually also violating a process. So I think it's very important that we shouldn't rush, like I said, everything, like not everything that is bad is corruption. And not everything, not all values that are good can necessarily um, 
prevent corruption. So when we are teaching anti-corruption education, which is where our focus is, is and, you know, it's very important that we draw those lines. Doesn't mean we shouldn't teach children to be empathetic, but we should be able to explain very well <laughs> in situations, you know, when empathy makes sense and when empathy could actually violate a process. So I just wanted to bring out some of those, um, yeah, um, so that we're very clear. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ohi, and thank you, Mr. Emmanuel, and thank you to all our listeners today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to follow Step Up Nigeria on social media at step underscore up underscore Nigeria. And if you're watching this on YouTube, remember to subscribe before you leave our channel. Uh, Mr. Emmanuel, is there any social media platforms that you would like our listeners to follow you on as well? Yeah, it's uh, NISI Foundation, NIT CSI Foundation on tweets and facebook they can just uh, follow there uh, basically we like you know we we work mostly in northern nigeria uh, in uh, seven states now and we are focused on education uh, youth uh, capacity uh, development we focus on working with young people both in school and out of school okay sir thank you very much and thank you very much for your time thank you very much Oye. I'm so grateful for you. Bye-bye. Thank you.